Today on Fifth Age, we answer questions like, Is that Saruman hiding in the bushes outside the gaffer's old place? Creepy. We also uncover the identity of an Astari long forgotten. Who, you might ask? Well, all we can tell you is... There are some who call me... Tim? For joining us here in the fifth age i'm erica and i'm dan come along with us as we explore tolkien's world together you know what you're here for Barrogs eating hot dogs that's right it's time for the third and final installment of our discussion on the astari if you haven't listened to the other two you may want to go back and catch up today we're going to talk about things like wizards fighting wizards soren's ability to summon disgusting things and saruman sneaking around the shire Seriously, dude. Okay, so we've gotten through the bluest star. We've gotten through Radagast. Before we get into Saruman and, and Gandalf any further, really, um, I, yeah, I want to have this discussion now. Okay, so they were brought in to watch Sauron, or to not watch him, but to to work against Sauron. Mm-hmm. And, and as a kid. I had no idea that these were these immortal beings. So we're talking about we're talking about Maya, which we've talked about before a little bit about what the orders of beings. But these are immortal. That's the important part here. They're immortal beings. The Vala sent to, in the case of Sauron, wreck stuff, and in the case of, <laughs> um, in the case of Gandalf and Saruman, uh, to stop stuff from getting wrecked. You know, and Radagast mm-hmm. as well. And so these beings that we encounter in, in the story, though, we have no idea that that's what they are. We have no idea. Nobody has a clue about this. And so when I read through the books as a kid, I thought of these as wizards, um, which they're talked about as wizards. But a wizard isn't an immortal being that wields great power. A wizard is a guy who knows spells. Mm-hmm. In my mind, anyway, as a kid, a wizard's a guy who knows spells. And as co-opted in many novels throughout the years, and as uh, as described in many role-playing games. So as a kid, I was playing Dungeons & Dragons, and my dad was reading The Lord of the Rings to me. And I immediately formed this association, um, you know, as Gary Gygax intended, uh, with Tolkien's wizards and the wizards in Dungeons & Dragons. But again, the Wizards and Dungeons and Dragons, these are just guys that know stuff. And mm-hmm. and so so a lot of what happens in The Lord of the Rings even is very confusing if you have that point of view. Some of it fits just fine and some of it is like I, I guess maybe it's not that confusing. But like, um, for example, Gandalf shows up and does a bunch of tricks, right? For he has all these fireworks. He does great fireworks in the Shire. And yeah, he... and 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 people think of him as a conjurer, right? <laughs> and you know, in the movie, there's a scene where he like yells at Pippin, right? He like he uses, in fact, he uses what really looks like the effect of what would be a charm or domination spell in Dungeons and Dragons on, on, on. Um, Doesn't he use that on Bilbo at the beginning? Where he gets all big and the room gets dark. Is that oh what you're yeah, he about? does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's when when Bilbo 
when he's Bilbo's trying to convince Gandalf you're right, that you're right, right. he should it wasn't, keep the ring. It wasn't. It was wrong Hobbit. So yeah, when he's trying to convince Bilbo he should give up the ring, and the room tightens around him, and all Bilbo can see is Gandalf getting larger and larger, and everything darkens and falls away. This is a charm spell. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so when I see this happening, for me, this fits right into the wizard, the wizard trope. And also, um, I don't know if that happens in the book or not, but there's so many things that do happen in the book that are of this nature where where, where Gandalf just does something that he shouldn't as a human being be able to do. He calls down fire. He fights a Balrog. He, he right. Yeah. But when he fights in- the Balrog, this is a, this is a key moment. Okay, so he's fighting a Balrog, and he he decides to stand his ground against the Balrog. And this makes perfect sense, because, like, man, when crazy stuff happens to your party in D&D, the wizard, the wizard is the one that can deal with it, it, right? The wizard's Mm -hmm. the one that can deal with it, unless somebody does, comes up with a, a way to get out of the situation entirely, but the wizard is the one that can stand up to the to the really mighty things, right? And and the same thing with and and so then he falls down and, and he goes away and what happens to him? He just appears later. That's a wizard thing to do too. Like he just shows up again, you know? <laughs> um and you're like, what happened to you? And he's like, Don't want to, don't want to talk about it, wizard stuff, right? <laughs> like, what does he even he say? It. He talks about it. He says, you know, I fell. And then, uh, and the Balrog fell with him, and they fell to the roots of the earth into the water under the mountains. And and the Balrog's fire was extinguished, and he became a creature of slime, which sounds awful. Um, and they not better, not better. And then they fought underground, and they fought, and they found this secret stair that went from the lowest part of the Misty Mountains to the highest peak. And they fought all the way up the stair. To the very peak, and then in the end, Gandalf threw the Balrog down and crushed his body on the side of the mountain, and Gandalf died. His mortal body that he was inhabiting died. Does he say that it died in the book? Not in so many words. And see, because this is something Um, I never understood as a death. Right, mm-hmm. and it's not described as such, and it, he uh, he can't die; he's immortal. Um, but his spirit just went back to Valinor, went back to uh, where he came from, and they're like, "Yeah, your job's not done, buddy. Get back in there and finish <laughs> it up. You're the only one that's paying attention at this point. Maybe you gotta maybe do somebody should have killed Radagast so Ivana could yell at him." <laughs> no no Redigas is so sweet he just likes his trees and birds and whatever but nothing's going to kill him because he's not involving himself in anything it's true except maybe Gandalf in a fit of rage um, <laughs> so that's one one event that happens there's another, there's all this other stuff that happens um, but I just want I want to point out also before I get too far afield that one of the reasons that I thought that Gandalf was a wizard, uh, apart from all this, was because he was fighting the other wizard, Sauron. Right. Who's, if anybody's a wizard, Sauron and is Saruman. clearly a wizard. And Sauron. And Saruman. yeah. Right, and Saruman even lived in a tower, right? Which is like a wizard thing in D&D. And he um, had a crystal ball. Ooh. And he had a crystal ball, right? And Gandalf had a magic ring, although you're not necessarily aware of that. Um... <laughs> Not at the beginning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think at the very end they talk about it, but like you might not, you might not realize like the stuff that it allowed him to do is what is my point, right? Right. right. 
Um, and like going back through, realizing that the reason that he can fight the Balrog the way he does is because he has this ring. Um, and um, could he have fought a Balrog anyway? Eh, maybe. I mean, they're both Maya. He probably could. Yeah, he probably, probably could have fought the Balrog, especially with Glamdring. You know, maybe even just with a staff. What is the staff even? We don't know. So. Um, shrug emoji shrug emoji right so um i i actually wanted to oh yeah so sauron wizard so what do you need when you got a powerful evil wizard you need a wizard if you don't have a wizard and you go up against a powerful either evil wizard you lose that's it like you just lose you can't you can't beat him unless you can somehow like find him in his sleep or trick him or something like that you're not like tricking or sneaking up on the eye right we already like we talked about this well you can sneak around it you can sneak around it, but like you're not going to be able to confront him directly, right? Right. Even without the power of domination part of this, like he's a wizard. You come at him directly, you're going to get a fireball to the face or something, right? Like a Nazgul to the face. A Nazgul to the face. Yeah, summon Nazgul. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, I'm I'm only half no, joking. Right. I'm no, only I half joking, right. right? And um, and in in the case of Sauron the summoning the power of in fact summoning is what he does all the time he's got the nazgul he's got the uh um giant spiders he's got the orcs he's got the you know he can he can send stuff places trolls trolls yeah and he he dominates things which are easy to dominate but he also dominates things which are not easy to dominate like denethor and saruman (laughs) talk about things that aren't easy to dominate you have saruman who thought Presumably, did the Saruman think he could win that? Or or, uh, or yeah. use Sauron to his own end somehow? He didn't think he could use Sauron to his own end, but he did think that he could win a battle of will, essentially. Which is kind of dumb, but whatever, man. You do you. But getting back to your point about wizards being guys that know magic, that know spells. Yeah. Um. So, you know... In Tolkien's writing, it was he states that it was supposed by men that these were men with great knowledge and skill. That's what you're supposed to think. The only people that really, really know who they are, the only person who knows for certain is Círdan, because he saw them come from Valinor, and he's like, oh, hi. <laughs> hey, guys. <laughs> How's it going? But... but Is it just... Well, Galadriel knows, too, yeah, right? Like, yeah, like, eventually... Like, the White Council figures it out. Um, so Galadriel and Elrond know who he is, who, Gan- who Gandalf is. They know that they're Maya. Yeah. Yeah. And know where they were sent from. And, uh, you know, possibly Aragorn. So there are some people that know, but it's not common knowledge. And among the people that don't know, it's assumed that these are men of lore. These are just guys that spend all their time studying this craft and they are have this magic-y stuff and I guess they're wizards in the way that you thought they were wizards when you were a kid. I mean, this explains so much. If you look at them this way, it explains so much in a, in a way that's understandable. It's kind of funny, too, because the reason it's so understandable is because of this derivative work. Right, right, right. Um, but, but it is. So it's it's understandable because you have... Man, you have Gandalf listening to the wind in the mountain and hearing the voice of Saruman. You have that's just in the movie, but yeah, go with it. No, but he does. He does know the mountain is angry or something, it's right? A foul they voice turn around in the wind. because of yeah. yes, right. So but maybe it is Saruman. I don't know. 
Sure. In in the movie, they make it Saruman, but it's a bad place to go, right? I mean, he does describe this as a undesirable direction, but it's it's the least bad direction to go. Right. right? You can't go through the gap Um, in the book for sure, because Saruman's there. Oh, and so this also makes sense out of Wormtongue, right? Because Wormtongue being a, a apprentice of Saruman is how I always viewed that. So I always viewed him as like a lower level wizard, right? Like here's a guy, he just doesn't know quite as much. He's, he's, which I may have made up entirely on my own, but yeah, I think so. I like it though. I'm sticking with, with it. it. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I always thought of whether it was, whether he was a servant of Saruman or not. I mean, I got, I think I made the connection between the, uh, oh, uh, influence with uh, Saruman being able to manipulate people with his voice, and Wormtongue can do the same thing, and um, I mean, kind of. Well, I mean, he's he's an advisor to Theoden, you know. I don't know why. I think you know at the beginning everybody trusted Saruman because he's a freaking wizard. Doesn't so he's an advisor to Theoden, but like, doesn't he develop a relationship with Saruman? Oh yeah, he was he was planted there by Saruman. Right, that's what I'm yeah, saying. Yeah. Like, okay, yeah, I see what you're saying. All right, but I was like, I don't think I made that part. But he doesn't have he doesn't have the like. Saruman has power to sway people with his voice, and Wormtongue doesn't have that. He's just a guy, just a backstabby little guy. Sure, but he seems to be able to. He seems to be. He seems to be able to get people to do stuff. Because he has the ear of King Theoden, and Theoden is so weak and overpowered that he oh, okay. can do whatever he okay. wants. Well, doesn't he do it again later, though? When? So, after after he's kicked out, right? Okay. Doesn't he go... Does he go to the Shire? He goes back to Saruman. And then when Saruman and Wormtongue are kicked out of Orthanc, uh-huh. then yeah, they go to the Shire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Together. Yeah, so this, yeah, I, I, that's it. I thought that they, I thought he was like his apprentice. Yeah. And so, so my impression of what was going on with Theoden wasn't that Saruman had somehow dominated him and that Theoden was under Saruman's rule and Wormtongue was there as sort of a watcher or an additional assistant i thought that saruman had sent Wormtongue to um take control of edoras no oh, cool and that he had then done that and in, in essence yeah that's true that is what he did so and and, and but because he was a, because he was a wizard basically mm. right because he was a lesser wizard mm. and then so i mean this is kind of that's how cool. i was this is kind yeah. of how i was thinking about oh, it that's kind of cool you know um <laughs> but he's still not a good therapist. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's terrible. And so uh, the idea that these guys are just guys with magic opens up like this whole different way of looking at a lot of stuff in the in the story. Like once you know that there are these immortal beings that are like sent there for this purpose and they're doing this stuff, they're like this whole other thing that's like elevated to a level uh, um, above like the rest of Middle Earth. But if you just think they're guys with powers, it like totally changes the landscape. So I when when I learned like a month or two ago that the Astari were a different thing entirely, 
Like, I knew Gandalf... This is weird, because I knew Gandalf was a Maya. I'd read that before. But, like, I never really... I never really put it all together. I mean, this goes back to something you said to me earlier in one of our earlier recordings, which is, like, about how it's so hard to break your initial impression of a of a story. So, for me, when he was a Maya, it explained that he was... Explained it to me what happened when he fought the Balrog. That's what it cleared up for me. Mm. It explained to me how he changed himself... Or how he became more powerful, like he, in a different way. Really, what it clarified for me is he'd actually died, mm-hmm. right? Before that, I thought he's just a wizard making wizard stuff up, right? Like, <laughs> like he made that story up. He like fought the Balrog somehow. He made the story up. He showed up later after he defeated the Balrog. Because remember, D and D wizard in my mind. So after he defeated the Balrog, huge experience point boost. Right? He levels up. He levels up. Yeah, right? yeah. So he levels up. He becomes more powerful. And now he's able to take on uh, Saruman because he's leveled up. And (laughs) Saruman has been like chilling in the tower this whole time. He's not leveling up. He's like doing weird Saruman things because he's like more powerful than everybody. But he's not more powerful than everybody anymore because Gandalf leveled up. And now he sees Gandalf and he's like, you're not going to scare me. And Gandalf goes, oh, really? Because I'm more powerful now or whatever. But yeah, it's like, I really, really, I'm more powerful now and I'm more powerful than you and you're going to deal with it, you know? Yeah. Or I'm at least as powerful as you now. Right. Um, so that's kind of, that's how I interpreted it. And the Maya thing was just like, oh, he's immortal. So like maybe he did really die with the Balrog right, thing. Right, right. So, you know, he kind of did that nasty thing where he's like, oh, this is a this is a foe beyond all of you. And he sends his whole party off. And then he de- uh-huh. defeats the Balrog himself and just claims all the all the loot and all the XP. <laughs> what a jerk. Or Or maybe, right? Or maybe like the Balrog pulled him down and he was like, Hey Frank, uh, so I brought you the thing. So I brought you the thing you asked for, and the Balrog's like, "Cool," you know. Um, and then, and then they made up. All right, so if anybody asks you, we fought for a really long time, and I smashed you a lot. And Frank's like, okay. "Whatever." <laughs> like, <laughs> thanks for the hot dog. I don't know. Oh, it would roast way too fast. Because he's made a the- fire. <laughs> Thanks for the log from the old forest. I don't know. Anyway, um, <laughs> whatever Balrog. I don't know what Balrogs want, and I'd like to keep it that way. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> Here's a petrified troll toe. Um, <laughs> Nobody wants it. <laughs> I do. <laughs> what are we even talking about? Okay. So I was actually surprised, and I, this sounds weird maybe, but I was actually quite surprised to learn that Sauron wasn't an Istari. I mean... Because to me, Istari just meant... Once I found out that Gandalf was one, it was just like... It didn't change anything. It was just like a, a dude that was... Sem- a Maya that was Senpai of Allah, which I guess he is, but... Yeah. Does Istari mean a thing? <sighs> yes. I'm sure it means a thing. <laughs> Let me look. Does it mean... <laughs> Does it mean bringer of hot dogs to Balrogs? It should. <laughs> <laughs> That's too long. It's much shorter language. Here we go. Let's see. Um, Wizard is a translation of the Kenya Istar. Oh, so it means wizards. Yeah. It does mean a thing. So, like... <laughs> <laughs> what so, are, so, what so are maybe... The- what are these wizards? Oh, they're a starry. What does that mean? It means wizard. <laughs> Dang it. Sorry, uh, there's nothing so, else behind that. So, 
No, so Sauron, I guess Sauron still kind of fits. Um, but he's not considered one because they don't call him that. I don't know. Whatever. Um, uh, they're they're considered like an order of Maya. Right. And there are, um, according to Unfinished Tales, there are more Istari. Oh. But they never left Valinor. I'm just I just read this now when I was looking up the Istar thing. Hang on. Oh, what? But now this wrecks my whole view on this death, because death, I was like death. the story were a story were thing were Maya that were sent to Middle Earth to do stuff. And now I find out that it's just a like a boys club. <laughs> I'm disillusioned right now. I'll cry about it. I might. Okay, of this order of Istari, the number is un- mm-hmm. is unknown. But of those that came to the north of Middle-earth, where there was the most hope, the chiefs were five. Page 389 of Unfinished Tales. So we don't actually even know that they're the only ones that went to Middle-earth. Um, according to that, no, we don't. Yeah, it sounds like they're not. It sounds like... The chiefs... Right. It sounds like when this is so fascinating Isn't because it? there's one part where Gandalf talks about, and I don't know if this is in the movie or book or both, but there's one part where Gandalf mentions Saruman as the chief of his order. Yes. And this like really broadens that. Yes. Although all Gandalf also um, actually Saruman. When Gandalf breaks Saruman's staff. Does that happen um, in the book? Yes. Um, so when Gandalf confronts Saruman at Isengard, Saruman says something about, you won't rest till you have the keys of Orthanc and Barad-dûr and the staffs of the five wizards. So he only refers to five. With staffs. The... Good point. We don't know if they're the only wizards with staffs. We don't know what the sta- staffs do. Well, we, we knew don't... it was important to break it. Right. Right. And, and we it knew it was important like it was to important try to gather them. For some reason. But that's never explained anywhere that I've found. And I really got to read my Norse mythology again, because I feel like this is relevant somehow. So we don't know what the staff thing is. No. Nope. What about... Um, I'm just going to talk about Gandalf a little bit more, because Gandalf yeah. is such a cool character. So Gandalf, everywhere he goes, he's known. And people have very different reactions to him depending yeah. where you are right he's not and it's not by race it's not by it's by location like he goes to a place and like so in the shire he's this curiosity mm-hmm. he's this a bit of excitement that comes into the shire for a little bit and then whisks young impressionable hobbits off on adventures they quote unquote don't want to go on right but and so he's kind of thought of he's this curiosity but he's not necessarily is it fair to say he's not necessarily trusted he's a, he's considered like a troublemaker but a that benign seems to tro- be a recurring theme with him what a benign troublemaker like he do, he has nice fireworks and he doesn't really hurt anybody and the people he brings off with him well they were they were kind of cracked anyway so right I mean, they, they were Turkish, so. They were Turkish. Uh, Except Sam. Except Sam. Love Sam. So, you're going to work that 
and you're gonna work that phrase into every podcast yes i am i love sam um but yeah he is thought of differently in different places so i mean and when he goes to so when he goes to rivendell right I mean, he goes to Rivendell seeking the council or the council of Elrond. I don't mean the the event. I mean the the council. Like he wants Elrond to tell him stuff. Yes. Right. Yeah. Um, and Elrond receives him graciously, but and, and they know each other, right? They know each other. They've they're on the the White Council together, right? Yes. And and so Elrond isn't. I don't know if it's because of the situation or what, but he's not necessarily happy to see Gandalf when he shows up in Rivendell. Um, at least that's the impression that I get is that he's not necessarily from, happy to see him. Like from the movie or just in general? Um, I think probably I, I think it's fair to say most of my impressions at this point are from the movie. I, okay. So I think it's Hugo Weaving's acting. Yeah, you know, I think it's he doesn't seem necessarily happy to see Gandalf. Well, and I guess there is this aspect of Gandalf becoming more active. That is, you know, this is leading to change in middle earth. Like Gandalf being there is about change. It's about trying to get rid of Sauron, which would destroy a ring, which would perhaps cause all the other rings to fail in potency. Um, It means war could be coming it means the elves are diminishing. The elves are the time of the elves is coming to a close. So this means his his arrival, Gandalf's arrival in Rivendell does mean a lot to Elrond, but they are friends. They both they're both considered wise. And they both have a lot of information for each other. So it may just be the weight of the times. Yes. That I'm seeing there. Um And also Hugo Weaving. Well, but Hugo even was very deliberate, right? I mean, and he is very deliberate. Yeah. Okay, so there's that. And then there's the the reaction he gets at Edoras, right? And and that, the reaction he gets at Edoras is from Wormtongue, which is from Saruman. Right. So, yeah, Saruman has a different opinion of Gandalf than Elrond. In fact, Saruman has been jealous of Gandalf since they got there. Because Gandalf has an elvish ring of power. <laughs> We're back to that, are we? It's true. And he's always begrudged the fact that uh, Varda said that Gandalf's not the third of your order. We're not sending him third. We're, you know, he may be higher up there. We don't know where he oh, is. Oh, that's what you meant. That's well, what that meant. I didn't catch that uh, nuance of meaning. I was like, how many of these guys are there? I was being overly literal. Um, no, like maybe he's the first. Maybe he's above Saruman. And, you know, Círdan giving Gandalf the elvish ring of power, the elvish ring of fire. Um, Saruman discovers that eventually, and he's jealous of that. That's a, huh, that's an interesting point, too, because the we talked when we were talking about Gandalf and the rings of power. We talked about the fact that it would have been this it would have been this terrible thing if Sauron had discovered the Elvish Rings of Power, which he somehow, they'd been kept secret from him this whole time, right? Since their creation in the Second Age. And so I'm, I'm wondering, in this sort of contest of wills between Sauron and Saruman, and like the, uh, I guess I have a couple questions. One is, did Saruman like know he'd been defeated? 
Or did Saruman think that he had won? Saruman knew exactly what was going on. He was very clever. Um, he tr- still, like, he kept trying to twist his situation to his own benefit long after it was possible for him to do so. Oh, so, so. Is that why he created his own army? Mm hmm. So this was, this wasn't an army. This was an army to fight against Mordor. Maybe in eventually. Eventually. He, he really um, was fighting Edoras. He wanted to fight Edoras and defeat Edoras. And then he could march on Gondor. And with the might of Gondor behind him, he and Edoras and his own orc army could probably take on Sauron. Huh. That's an interesting thought. This, I mean, that's obviously pure speculation, but... It is, it's an interesting thought, though. And then, um, at a minimum, he's split the world, right? Mm-hmm. Or split this portion of Middle-earth. So that was your first question. Yeah. And what if he'd known, I guess in the, I guess in the time of The Hobbit, then uh, Saruman wasn't under Gand- uh, Sauron's sway yet. Mm-mm. But he was kind of a jerk. Well... Right, I mean, that's why Yvonne sent a chaperone. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, there's this really uh, amusing, I think, amusing uh, interaction in Unfinished Tales. It talks about how Saruman is jealous of Gandalf from the very beginning, and it, he kind of hates him. Mm-hmm. And, like... He has no interest. Saruman has no interest in hobbits. They're not craftsmen. Right. right. But Gandalf keeps going to the Shire. Right. So he like disguises himself and goes to the Shire a couple of times just to see what's there. It's like he openly mocks Gandalf for doing it. And then he sneaks around and does it himself. <laughs> like, and, and, um, he Gandalf's got a ring. I want a ring. Gandalf likes hobbits. I I'm only a hobbit. I'm gonna look at him. I'm gonna, I'm not gonna do anything about it. I want a it. hobbit. I want a, I want a pet hobbit. Um, where's this? There's this really funny. Um, I gotta find it in the book here. Dude, if he'd had like a hobbit in a cage when Gandalf got there, like a Skeksy or something, like no. I mean, if we're being honest, I think. Saruman is the most like a Skeksy. Um, sure. Yeah. <laughs> You're not wrong. <laughs> he's the, he's like that weird scientist Skeksy that got the fondling uh, essence. That uh, guy is creepy. No. Where is that part? I can't find this part right now. Okay. And Radagast is the one that controlled the Gartham. And. Yeah. So seeing then that the Gandalf thought the Shire was worth worth visiting, Saruman himself visited it. But disguised and in the utmost secrecy until he had explored and noted all its ways and lands. And thought all he knew all there was to know about it. So he didn't just like go visit, like he scoped that place out. Secretly so that nobody knew he was copying Gandalf. But so that he knew all of their ways. Like that's not like a yeah. that's not like a day trip. Yet in truth, Saruman's spying in great secrecy had not in the beginning any evil purpose, but was no more than a folly born of pride. 
Ah. Truth to tell, observing Gandalf's love of the herb that he called pipeweed, Saruman affected to scoff at it, but in private he made trial of it and soon began to use it. <laughs> and for this reason, the Shire remained important to him. <laughs> this oh, is pipeweed. This is hilarious, hilarious thing. The council met in Rivendell and Gandalf sat apart, silent but smoking prodigiously. He had a thing he had never done before on such an occasion, while Saruman spoke against him and urged that contrary to Gandalf's advice, Dol Guldur should not yet be molested. Both the silence and the smoke seemed to greatly annoy Saruman. And before the council dispersed, he said to Gandalf, When weighty matters are in debate, Mithrandir, I wonder a little that you should play with your toys of fire and smoke while others are in earnest speech. <laughs> he, like, dressed him down for having a pipe. Oh, that's <laughs> funny. And Which he totally get... did just to piss him off. Oh, yeah. And then they get into this little altercation about it where he's like, no, it clears my head to do this. You should try it sometime. Um, and Saruman's like scoffs at him again. Gandalf did not laugh again and he did not answer. But looking keenly at Saruman, he drew on his pipe and sent out a great ring of smoke with many smaller rings that followed it. When he put up his hand as if to grasp them and they vanished. Then he got up and left Saruman without another word. <laughs> Just like That's blow, fantastic. Smoke, blow smoke in his face and walk out. That's awesome. Anyway, I, I really wanted to share that with you. Like, That's I don't care great. if it makes it in the podcast. But oh, it, no, that's like, a great. That's a great one. I just made me laugh so hard when I read that. I'm like, ooh, burn. Yeah, well, and that's kind of a recurring theme. I, I didn't. Um, I mean, the fact that he used the word pride is kind of a big deal with Tolkien. Pride. I mean, being the, being Catholics and seven deadly sins and. Well, and being um, and being a scholar of Anglo-Saxon. Like boasting. Oh, yeah. But not out of pride, out of being able to actually back it up. Yeah. It's a huge thing. Right. Yeah. Um, well, and, and getting back to the Balrog thing, like I, I read as a I don't know about the first time, but as a teenager, when I read Gandalf's description of his fight with the Balrog, I read Beowulf at that point. And to me, it seemed like boasting. It seemed like he was just telling the story about this thing that happened. And like, come on, like this didn't really happen this way. This is just me going because he went on and on about all this stuff that happened and how hard it was and like <laughs> and how awesome I am. And look at me now. And like. Um, I, I am as Saruman should have been. Right? That's what I'm saying. And I was like, yeah, all right, whatever. So you you level up. Um, <laughs> um, new robes, <laughs> plus 25. Found a new spell book. You don't have to make a big deal about it. Right? Anyway. <laughs> uh, okay, so we just talked an awful lot about Radagast and and Gandalf and Saruman Gandalf and, and Saruman and you know what wizards are and and about Radagast loving bunnies Radagast loving Radagast being the trainer of the bunny at the cave of Carabanog yes <laughs> wait wait we've discovered one of the other Astari Tim the Enchanter <gasps> he has a staff he does, and he like controls fire and can teleport. Also, Dirk Gently is an Astari. 
for sure. Obviously. That's the last of our conversation about the Astari. Comment on the show post and let us know what your favorite part was. We'd love to hear. For me, it's close, but I think it's probably Frank the Balrog. That guy's awesome. As always, you can contact us by email at show at Fifth Age Podcast, on Twitter at Fifth Age Podcast, or on our Facebook page if you prefer. If you like what you're hearing, please help some nerds out by sharing or retweeting our show posts on social media, or by leaving us a rating or review on iTunes or wherever you found our podcast. It will help them find us. You know they belong here. All of our music is provided by the amazing Dr. Turtle, and you can find him on Bandcamp. Thanks for listening. See you next time.